Hello, welcome to the Free Will Science and Religion podcast. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega. And today happens to be 4th of July, um, which um, for people who live in America, it's considered like a holiday. It's called Independence Day, um, although you would probably never know it because most of what people do is just fireworks and nobody talks about anything else besides that, you know? but I thought it would be a good idea to talk about the idea of independence. And independence is similar to the idea of freedom. Like when you're talking about independence, well, what are you independent from? Similar with freedom, what are you free from? And so the idea of freedom and independence um, are similar enough concepts that I thought it related to our Free Will Science Religion podcast, but there's a confusion that needs to be cleared up because when people think, uh, there's people who think that we're talking about like political freedom, like because we're talking that we don't have a free will. What we mean is that our that our we don't have there's nothing that we do that is not caused by something outside of our control. Our, our genetics and our environment, all the past causes. Um, but I think that um, th- we need to clarify things. We're not necessarily saying that somebody doesn't have so- something such as freedom of speech, for example. Um, so maybe we could clarify this. Um, I'm, and I'm trying to think of a, a good way to do this. Like, George, how would you define freedom of speech? All right, freedom of speech is like a political freedom. Basically, it's a legal principle or construct that says, like, according to the law, you know, uh, people of a certain country or of a certain, you know, um, state, whatever, are free to say whatever they want. And even even with freedom of speech, you know, there are certain limitations, but it's just essentially that, like, it's not against the law. To um, to basically speak one's mind, to speak one's opinions. Right, and so the imp- the what's implied there is that you can say what you're thinking, say how you feel about something without being punished. Would that be a correct interpretation of that? Absolutely. Yep. Yes, and see, this is what's interesting about it is that you can have that kind of freedom of speech where you're free to say what you want to say, um, but that does not mean that you have a free will. And in fact, we know that our speech is not free from prior causes. It's just, it's just, it's, it's free from consequences is what freedom of speech would imply, that no one's going to punish us. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, the threat of consequences is actually also part of what makes it not a freely willed speech. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Because even though we may legally have freedom of speech, people avoid saying certain things because they know people who will punish them for saying certain things. You know, and and they, they get bullied and hated by certain groups of people if they say something. So in a way, um, our, our, our speech isn't free from those types of consequences, just you know, social isolation, your family disowns you because you say something they don't like or something sort of like that. 
And this explains how we, that's one way in which we're not free to say everything that we think, but nonetheless, we can be for the idea of free speech. Just because we know that we don't have free will doesn't mean that we are going to punish people for saying their honest thoughts. So that's the, that's the tricky part is that you can be um, pro people being honest and speaking um, how they, how, what they want, you know, um, but that doesn't mean that they have speech or a will that's free from um, causality and a causality. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So whether it's so like so freedom of speech is a legal construct. Then you have the the freedom that's associated with this holiday, the Fourth of July, and that's the freedom of external um, sovereignty. In other words, like. Freedom. Um, the United States was free of control by England. You know, uh, we were we were free to govern ourselves. And again, of course, that doesn't mean we have a free will, but simply we're free from an external control over our government. Right. So it's kind of interesting thing because what it meant was that we're free from another country somewhere else dictating what America does. Um, it doesn't mean that America is free of America, but just that America is free from Britain. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. Um, so again, so like freedom of speech, political freedom, they generally refer to. All right. So basically, um, so freedom of speech and freedom of, of um, you know, of freedom of, of of government are different speech are freedoms in the sense that like. They are freedom from the control of other people, other groups of people, where as freedom of will would mean, you know, free from the control of people, principles, laws of nature, you know, factors that, that um, are far, you know, span far beyond just people or groups of people. In either way, it's like, with, with, with freedom of speech and political freedom, you could still like not have those kinds of freedoms or have them and, and, and not... Chandler, can you hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. I still think we should continue, and I'll see if there's enough of a recording to make it an official podcast, and I'll just cut out the technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and I think what you were saying, George, is that... We can, we can have degrees of political freedom, freedom to, from other humans punishing us for what we do or not, um, uh, or preventing us in some way from doing what we want. Um, that, can, that can exist or not depending on what's happening at the current time, which is separate from free will because the concept of free will could never exist in any government system because it's not a political concept at all. Exactly. Exactly. See, that's the thing is that regard even if there were no humans, yeah, sure. If there were no other humans, um, and you were the only human on the planet, well, sure, you would have you might have absolute political freedom because no human could punish you for anything. But that doesn't mean that you have freedom of will in the sense of of 
that you self-cause anything because everything you do is caused by something else. So if a wolf is chasing you and trying to eat you, well, that you're caused to run away. Or if you can't run away, you get eaten, you know? It's like, so yeah, that's the thing. Um, so they are different concepts. And so nobody can take away your free will because you never had it in the first place. Excellent point. Excellent point. So, all right. So, and again, let's, let's go through like, you know, ordinarily over the last several podcasts, we've been going into the implications of not having a free will. Let's talk a bit of why we don't have a free will. Um, fundamentally, it's, it's because everything has a cause. You know, if there's a cause to everything we do and everything has a cause, there's going to be a cause to that cause and a cause to that cause and a cause to that cause. And this chain of cause and effect regresses back to before we were born, back before the planet was created. And that makes free will impossible. I mean, of course, some people say that, well, you know, not everything has a cause. But if our decisions are not being caused, there's no logical way that we can attribute them to a free will. So, like, you know, the, the refutation of, of free will actually couldn't be more simple. Yes, it is simple because, first of all, I agree with you that causality, everything has to have a reason or a cause behind it. And, and we all know that instinctively. We, when someone does something, well, we, we ask why. We want to know the reason for something. And, we, and, we, and like you said, it regresses back to before we're even born because everything, every cause has a prior cause. But then those people come along and they say, well, you, you people are wrong because sometimes I do things for no reason at all. And I'm like, well, okay, it, you, you may not have a clue why you're doing what you're doing, but I guarantee you there's still a reason. But if, if something was completely random, having no cause at all, well, then who's responsible for it? Certainly not the person. <laughs> exactly. And Chandler, so like that actually, because, all right, because we don't have a free will, that means we can't blame ourselves or others for anything. You know, I mean, we, we sometimes do wrong and all. And we can't take credit, of course, for, for the good we do. And so, like, the, 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 you know, that leaves us with, fine, what we do is enough to us, but then what, what we're faced with is this chain of cause and effect behind every decision we make, every act we do, you know, regresses back eternally. We never, at least according to logic, reach a point in the past where we can say the decision was made. Yeah, that's a good point because people talk about making a decision and when a decision was made. Um, and that's a, that's a very key point because when you talk about making a decision, well, you, it, you make it sound as if you actually created something, like you made a decision, which is kind of an interesting concept in and of itself. Because when, like when you, we know that, and this is kind of an analogy, but when somebody makes a, a sandcastle, well, they didn't make anything. They just formed the sand that was already there into a castle. And there's a cause for a castle. They already knew what a castle was, and there was a cause for them making a sandcastle. Right. And so, of course, like, you know, we have to kind of, like, distinguish now between the literal sense of making something and of choosing something, deciding something, and the the figurative colloquial sense. Like, for example, with a computer, you know, you might be playing a computer in chess, and the computer makes a move, but we know the computer, you know, is actually not making a choice. It's completely programmed to do that based on the algorithms it's programmed by. 
Yes. In fact, what's interesting is you'll remember the in our our guest in those previous podcasts that Ronnie she said that she was trying to say that free will is making a choice based on what you have, but that's the whole point is it's based on what you have and in a similar sense the 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 so-called choice that the computer chess program makes is based on what it has, which is its programming. So we know it's already predetermined and that the computer didn't actually decide anything. It was already set. Absolutely. Okay, which which makes and you know, like in a certain sense the, the idea that everything is programmed, everything is predetermined, kind of makes reality somewhat surreal. You know, I mean like there is this kind of like a sense that, that what we do is up to us, but so it's illusory, you know, it's mistaken, it's incorrect. And so now we have the second kind of like surreal uh, aspect of reality to contend with that like, you know, fundamentally logic breaks down. Fundamentally, this chain of cause and effect never stops regressing so that we can neither blame or give credit for what happens to anything. And, and you know, so a lot of people, for example, believe in God and you know, it, it creates a difficulty. I mean, it creates a logical difficulty. And I guess we have to, you know, we might want to conclude that some aspects of reality transcend logic, transcend reason. I, I don't think we can conclude that, that that would give us any room for free will, because like the principle of causality, certainly as it applies to human beings, does not transcend reason. You know, that the causal chain regresses behind when we were born, that's all that's needed to, to prohibit um, free will. What you said about something transcending logic, that's kind of a, something I'm not very familiar with. I'm wondering what you meant by that. Well, I mean, like, we, we tend to, logic tends to tell us, for example, that, um, that there is a, well, well let's say with, with, with space, okay? Like, you know, our understanding is that there is a big bang, you know, 13.8 billion years ago. And that made the universe expand, and it's continually expanding outwards, you know. And so, like, reason says that, like, well, it's going to continue expanding infinitely. Okay, so, like, we can conceive of infinite space, but then, like, let's go the other direction. Like, it would seem that, like, you take a, an, an atom or a quark, you know, a subatomic particle, and keep, you know, going smaller and smaller, and logically, it would seem that you can go indefinitely smaller, eternally smaller. And sometimes they refer to the Big Bang as an infinitely small, you know, point in, in space or whatever. But that doesn't make sense in other words. Because like, what we're left with is like one universe that is infinitely expanding outward, but contains within it an infinite number of infinitely minute universes where you can keep getting smaller and smaller. And again, I mean, that might be logical in a certain sense, but in a certain other sense, it, it's hard to kind of like conceive of, of matter, you know, a particle, just like getting smaller and smaller and never stopping, never reaching a point in which is the smallest. I think of what you're saying is it kind of blows our mind, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Gotcha. Because we're stuck in a we're, – we're, we're used to a world – where things have limits, things have a definite beginning and end that we see, 
we're used to having limits on space where we can move in. We're used to having limits of time. We're used to have limits of money. We're used to these limitations. But what we're understanding is that the universe doesn't really have such limitations as far as infinite bigness or smallness. There's always something smaller and there's always something bigger. Right, and, and you know, it could, it could be that certain aspects of reality sim simply transcend logic, transcend our ability, you know, using logic to understand. Um, and so, like, you know, that's, that's why, for example, like, you know, we can't really uh, attribute any decision to anything. You know, if this infinite regress of causes never stopped going back into the past, but then again, like, so then, then we're faced with the conundrum that, all right, wait a minute. Um, we're accustomed to things having a beginning. How could like the universe have existed eternally without having been, begun at a certain point? And that's where it transcends logic. We, you know, either way, whether we, we consider it eternally um, going back into the past or having had a beginning, neither is, is completely satisfactory. So yes, th this is just one of the kind of like implications of understanding free will that pretty much expands our awareness or our consciousness of, of, I think we were talking about this before last week, of other, you know, realities within our universe that we wouldn't ordinarily think about except for when thinking about the free will uh, issue. Yeah, and I think, George, this is part of why people have a hard time getting it because then they have to wrap their head, as soon as they understand the causal regression, then they have, they have to wrap their head around this idea of this infinite regress and for some people, that's hard for me. I mean, they fought me on that idea. They're like, well, everything has to have a beginning. And it's, it's, and then they give me some kind of Hilbert's Hotel example, some philosophical puzzle or something weird like that. And I've never quite understood that one. But, but nonetheless, there have been people who have accepted the idea of an eternal universe or cosmos or reality that's always existed. That's what I read the James believed. And I also read that that is generally what many, many um, atheists believed prior to the whole Big Bang theory. And I think that the Big Bang doesn't necessarily rule out an eternal reality or universe, but that it, it must fit into there somehow. But I don't know too much about that. Yeah, well, basically, the Big Bang, it's kind of like the beginning of the quote-unquote observable universe. You know, what we can observe through telescopes and all, but, but yeah, physicists will tell you that, like, what came before the Big Bang, we simply have no way of, of knowing. But, you know, maybe eventually we will, but at this point in time, we don't, yeah. Right, and since some things are simply unobservable to us, it's, there's, there's going to be gaps in our knowledge, I think, as far as that goes. But for our purposes, we don't actually need to know what became came before the Big Bang. All we need to know is that what we're doing now was caused by events prior to our conception, before our, our lives as we know it, as the known universe of ourselves, basically. Exactly. And of course, you know, the, another question that comes to mind is um, why has the universe compelled us to to believe we have a free will when we don't you know i mean like um why you know obviously we evolved this belief somehow but it just doesn't make sense that the universe would, would just like i mean it's deceived us in other ways also it had, it had us believe that the world was flat and the 
the world was completely motionless, and now we know it's you know we're an orb and we're traveling through space at you know at um, thousands of miles per hour, maybe you know millions through the galaxies and all. So yeah, it just raises a lot of questions about the fundamental nature of reality. Yes, there's been many illusions that people have believed in for for a long time until somebody discovered differently. Yeah, and that's like so we're at that stage now. Um, basically, I don't know if you you know like BBC magazine this last month had a cover story refuting free will. You know, Scientific American Mind had one in 2012. New Scientist magazine in 2011. So this this truth of our not having free will is emerging. You know. In public, um, in the public awareness, much more now than any time in human history, and so then you know, then the question becomes like, what is our world going to be um, be like as a result of this understanding? Naturally, I think you and I are doing this podcast, and we do you know our work on this to to help create a better world. We believe that like the free world belief is really detrimental. It's harmful. It pits people against each other into like. But again, we're still left, you know, wondering why the universe would have um, had us, um, you know, believe in such a belief for so long. Well, it's kind of an interesting thing because um, now I'm not exactly sure how to approach that subject of why the universe would do something because I don't necessarily think of the universe as intending to do anything to us necessarily. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Let me think. All right, because like, here's the thing, because like, we could take a reductionistic um, perspective on human beings, and we could say to ourselves, well, actually, at the, our most fundamental level, we are atoms and subatomic animal atoms, and we're essentially things. But, you know, when we kind of like are configured in certain biological ways, then, then all of a sudden we go from being a thing to a, a, a uh, a being that acts. So, you know, again, like, I, I tend to be open-minded in the sense that, like, what we know of the universe, let's say, comprise, we, we, we only have access to about 4% of the universe that's out there. So, you know, it could be, just like, for example, like, most of our body, I think 10% of our body weight is in our brain. The rest of it is in um, the rest of our body. So just like, you know, our brain is a small part of our body that controls the whole body, there could be theoretically like a part of the universe within the 96% that we're not in contact with, except we know it has a gravitational force, that could be the control center for everything. For everything. You know, like, again, it's hard to make um, conclusive statements about, you know, this 96% of the universe that we can't really, we can't measure it. We, it doesn't interact with, with matter. Yeah, well, what's interesting about it, George, is, yeah, it's hard for us to make conclusive statements when there's so much that's unknown. But nonetheless, while we don't have a free will, we can have our freedom of speech to say how we think things are. And so if somebody wants to think of the universe as, as a person or a conscious entity, I mean, that's something that I think is, I mean, I think that's reasonable to an extent. For example, let's suppose that that some of the blood cells um, in inside my body. Let's let's say that one is is named Bob and the other is named Phil, and they're and they're just and they're discussing between each other. Well, it are we part of a big reality? You know, 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that just as these tiny living cells are part of our human bodies, that we um, may be very, very tiny microorganisms to some bigger thing. No, I, I, I understand. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so, all right, but like, you know, it's interesting. These are like very interesting philosophical questions that we, we may not have the answer to now. We may eventually get answers to them. But then there's an also a much more pragmatic purpose to why we're doing this work. And naturally, it's because free will belief is so harmful in so many ways. You know, in other words, like, it's one thing to, like, not have political freedom, um, but, but that doesn't necessarily um, kind of affect one, one's underlying... Oh, I'm losing my thought here. Um, oh, I completely lost it. Um, oh, sorry, Chandler, it's been a long day. Um, I think what you're getting at is that your political freedom or lack thereof doesn't touch on the fundamental fact that your will is causal, and that's always the same. Right, and you know, more than that, it's just like the, the free will belief is harmful, and naturally, like, lack of political freedom is harmful also, but it, there are different kinds of harms. In other words, like, we want um, political freedom to kind of, like, do as much as we can, but sometimes, um, sometimes our freedoms, our lack of freedoms actually serve us. In other words, like, you know, we have laws that restrict what we can say and what we can do, and they're for the benefit of everyone. So sometimes restrictions on our freedom are beneficial to everyone, whereas, like, you know, it's unfortunate that we don't have a free will, because if, if we had a free will, you know, we'd all be completely good and, um, and completely happy, but it's just very, very important to acknowledge that we don't have a free will because, you know, to the extent we believe we have a free will, we are blaming ourselves and others so much, you know, it, it creates so much conflict, so much blame, so much animosity, that that's, you know, there's, there's a great benefit to our world, you know, overcoming the belief. Yes, and that's why it's so important, George, because we blame other people and, and think, hey, they could they could have done otherwise, so why didn't they? Why did they choose to do this? And then you start hating them and being all angry at them and all. So that's one thing. But the other side that's so harmful is that you end up blaming yourself and like, well, why am I not able to throw this basketball in this hoop? Or why am I not able to communicate effectively with this person? Which has been my problem, you know, being kind of an autistic, socially troubled dude. I've had those times in my life where I've blamed myself, like, oh, I, I said the wrong word, and then they misunderstood me. So then I had that self-blame, like, oh, I'm too stupid, and why can't I choose to say the right words, you know? Yeah, and so that, that's another benefit. And another benefit that I can think of is, like, you know, we're not taught very well how to think critically in school, because if we were, if we were taught, you know, critical analysis, just logic in school, I think there would be very few people in the world that don't get the free will illusion. So, like, you know, there's certain aspects of reality, like, like the theory of relativity and evolution and certain kind of, like, scientific discoveries, like the fact that the world is an orb and not flat and all, that to most people, they have to take it on faith. They have to take it on faith that, like, you know, we've, we've photographed, the, the earth from outer space and you know there's certain ways of of understanding that the world is an orb 
that, for example, if you live in, in, in the Midwest and there's no ocean around you or in like another continent, that there's no way you, you could know. You could see, for example, ships sinking into the distance and, and understand or at least get a clue that the world is in order. But the thing with free will in terms of like helping people to learn how to think is like we don't need to understand complex um, physical, astronomical, um, biological principles, you know, as with astronomy and, and evolution, to understand that we have a free will. Not, in other words, the, the free will matter is, is a matter that's open to everyone, regardless of, like, you know, le level of education in various fields. Yes, um, and another thing that's important is that those other things, you know, the world being an orb as opposed to flat, you know, isn't really that big of a deal as opposed because it doesn't keep you from living a happy life but um, free will belief and the blame and shame and guilt and hatred and war that ensues from that well that does keep us from having a happy life absolutely absolutely that's why we're doing this so like you know the hope is like you know let's say let's say people get it in like 10 years that you know everybody pretty much accepts that free will delusion and they start teaching in school, they start, you know, many people start publishing books on it, people finally get it. So like in 20, 30, and 40 years, you know, this world would be so much more peaceful because like the free will belief creates so much conflict. Yes. And what's so interesting about it is that in a, in a certain sense, um, I think that things can be arranged as long as we make it clear that we're not talking about political freedom when we're talking about not having a free will. Because I think that it, hopefully we've cleared up some of that confusion because it's not the same thing, you know? No, I know. And it's, it's difficult to do an entire show on it because it's pretty, it's pretty easy to understand, right? I mean, like, political freedom is about, like, you know, people restricting one's freedom, whereas, like, you know, lack of free will is about, like, nature, the laws of nature. That's a very good way of thinking about it. For example, um, I, I may be free to speak um, what I actually feel in English, but I am not free to start speaking in French or German because I don't have the causality to speak those languages. I don't know those languages. And similar, another example is, you know, freedom of religion. Well, since I was, I was raised Christian, you know, and then I left that, you know, but I did, I never grew up in a Hindu uh, culture or Muslim culture. And so I was not free at any time in the past or even now to be any different as far as religious belief um, that I am now either. That the way I am now is the way it had to be given the past causality. And so Freedom of religion amounts to little more that no one can kill you for believing a certain religion, basically. That's a great point, absolutely. And and really, they shouldn't kill you because, hey, it's not it's not your fault that you believe a certain religion or that you have a certain opinion. We can have more political freedom in the sense of those types of freedoms by not blaming people, realizing they don't have a free will. Yeah, we um, I again, I ran a meetup in Manhattan earlier today, and um. We were talking about the, the idea that, like, religion, you know, has some good aspects of it. It promotes community. It promotes ethics to a certain extent. But what happens also is they use the free will belief 
to pretty much extort people, to pay, to pretty much um, basically um, have people afraid that if they don't do what the church or the you know whatever religion says is right, that because they have a free will and they're doing wrong, you know, when they die, they're going to like you know suffer eternally and all. And this is a horrible you know way to to control people. I think it keeps people like being you know tied to like religions of the past that may not work without being able to think for themselves. So to the extent that we can overcome free will belief, I think we can free people from the more destructive aspects of religion so that, you know, religions can then reform themselves to just work better in today's world. Not not because they were designed, you know, several thousand years ago, many of them. Yeah, and you know, George, it's an interesting point because it seems that almost all the world religions are built upon the idea of a free will. So it could be that in the future, the type of religions that we would have, if any, would be based on our new consciousness of understanding that our wills are causal. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, I think we're, we're at um, 38, and we had like a few minutes where I was off and all, but I, I think we're probably around the 30-minute mark, right? Yeah, probably, once I cut everything out with the extra technical difficulties. So should we end this one then? Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered the difference between political freedom, you know, freedom of speech, religious freedom, absolutely. All right. This this has been Free Will Science of Religion with Chandler Klebs and George Ortega, and hopefully we cleared up the difference between the concept of a free will as opposed to political freedom like freedom of speech or freedom of religion. And if you're still confused and still don't get it, then you can leave a comment and, and contact us in many ways that we'll make available, and we'll clarify it in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Bye.